sure I got that going. Praise the Lord. And I just thank the Lord to be here again with you all and just uh, thank the Lord that he's blessed us with this place to have service and for each one of you that's coming to be here with us. And I know it's certainly more convenient for us and it's a good proximity to everyone, so I thank God for it. And I have been talking to a lot of the brothers in the other churches over the past couple weeks and they all send us their their greetings and their love and they're really encouraged that we've been able to move into this space here and just want to thank everyone here too and those listening online that weren't able to make it tonight for all your help and in getting all of this together. Brother Gabriel in the Czech Republic sent us a really nice note earlier this week and said their congregation greets all of us and I told him I'll pass along his greetings. He's a real fine brother and as I mentioned at the beginning, I was planning to start having Sunday morning services starting here on July 24th, but uh, my other church where I've been speaking at and helping the past year and a half, they've, I agreed to give them another Sunday. So August 1st will be the first time that we have Sunday morning services here. And so I'm definitely just saying that uh, July 31st. Oh, July 31st is the Sunday. Well, thank you for, for catching that for me. July 31st will be our first uh, Sunday morning service here. So I'm saying that for the benefit of all the ones that... Uh, listen online and maybe you'll make the choice to come be with us in service next time so July 31st will be our first Sunday morning services and had a very encouraging lesson this morning we looked at uh, King David when he went to hide uh, but then when he came back out gradually the people started to gather to him and King David had a good go after some time went by gradually he started to accumulate friends and bring together a company I said 400 men and their families and uh, begin to do a work for the Lord thank you there and you know if I told people the adventure we had been on over the past year some people probably wouldn't believe it <laughs> it's been something else in some ways and I found so much encouragement from our brothers and our sisters around the world you wouldn't believe it you wouldn't believe it Brother Solomon, you know, we hadn't seen Brother Solomon in over 20 years over there in Israel, but what a wonderful and steadfast brother he is. And I've got such encouragement from him. Our brother Tim Humes down in South Carolina and the different saints and ministers there with him just have been a, a wonderful encouragement. We've got brothers up in Canada, across Africa, Europe, India that are fellowshipping with us and just been such a, such a strong uplift to us. Amen. And it's so thankful and so glad to be able even to reconnect with some of these people that we've we've known in days gone by i thank god for it and even our brother jesse and uh, his family just to be able to reconnect and and come back together and and have some friendship and some fellowship it's been a bit of an adventure and so i'm just uh, so thankful that god has been there with us through it god has been so good and i can just see his hand in it every step of the way and here we are today just doing this little mission that God has given us. And it is a, it is a small little mission. I, I think what at our, our, we've had maybe uh, 35, 40 people come through there when we had uh, the meetings last. So it's a small number by this world's comparison. But by God's standards, little is much when God is in it. And we're here to offer a place to the people who are looking for understanding. They're looking for love. Amen. And we're pointing people to Jesus, the one who imparts all those things that we have need of. And if we can help anyone from the places that we came from, that is certainly probably first in our heart's desire, is to help those that we've, we've loved for so many years. 
There's lots of people in terrible situations. They have no place to go. They feel trapped. And I want them to know they don't need to feel trapped anymore. There is a place they can come. They'll be loved. They're not going to be attacked and destroyed by us here. They'll be supported. And we'll give that some time, and we'll just trust the Lord to show us the best way forward. Amen. And I thank all of those who've already come. Praise the Lord and are still coming. And I have two passages of Scripture here I'd like to look at this evening. The first one is Matthew chapter 13, and if you want to turn there, we'll read that and get started with this message. Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 1. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the seaside, and a great multitude were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore, and he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell on stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Who hath an ear to hear, let him hear. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We worship you, Lord. We thank you for every good thing you've done for us. Lord, when we were without, you provided. When we were lost, you found us. When we need understanding, you give us your wisdom. Lord, today as we look at your word, I pray, give us wisdom. Help us see the pattern you laid out in your word. Give us knowledge and guidance by your spirit to lay hold of the plow and sow the field. Strengthen us for the task that lies ahead and let us be encouraged by the confidence we can place in your word. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen, amen. I've started tonight here by reading the parable of the sower. And this is a very well-known parable of Jesus. And I want to take a few minutes to look at that tonight and just bring out a few things here that might be helpful for us to, to consider and to remember. Now, I'm a person who, when it comes to doing the work of the Lord, I always look to the Scripture for inspiration and guidance. I'm a firm believer that we need to be led by the Scripture. And when we're led by the Scripture, that really is the same thing as being led by the Spirit. Jesus said, the words I speak, they are spirit and they are truth. And the guidance and instruction we can read in the Scripture has flowed to us from the Spirit of God. When Jesus told the apostles that the, the, apostles that the Spirit would come unto them, he said it would bring to their remembrance all the things he had already said and taught them. And he said the Spirit would not speak of himself, but would speak of the things of Christ. And they let us know that part of the way the Holy Spirit would lead us would be to guide us into an understanding of the Scripture. And it's always good to remember that the Scripture is inspired and it comes from the Spirit of God. And it's one of the chief ways that the Spirit of God speaks to us is through the Scripture. And people who lose sight of that, they start to get unmoored from Scripture. They're no longer anchored to the Bible. 
And they'll say that they're led by the Spirit sometimes, but the truth is, whatever Spirit they're following, it often will lead them in a way that's contrary to what the Bible says to do. And when they insist that they're led by the Spirit, yet what they're doing is contrary to the Bible, we can be sure it is not the Spirit of God that inspires them to go in such a way, because God will not contradict himself. And I never want to get into a condition where I'm following something that's taking me in a way that's contrary to what is written in scriptures. But you know, sadly, that's a condition that many people have fallen into tonight. And I'm thankful that we have the word of God to look to. And that's why I'm looking at this parable tonight, because I want the word of God to set my expectations. And I want to look to the scripture for inspiration about how to go about the Lord's work. Now, Jesus, he often spoke to his listeners in parables. He gave them stories and examples. And those stories had morals and principles behind them. And as we read these parables, I'm sure that we've all heard man come up with some pretty elaborate things to explain to us what these parables mean. But the thing is, Jesus told us himself the meaning of this parable that we're reading tonight. It's not something we have to guess at. Jesus interpreted this for us himself. And if we just jump down to verse 18, Jesus will tell us exactly what this parable means that we've read. So let me jump down to verse 18. And we'll just read the interpretation of the parable according to Jesus, the creator of the parable. Verse 18, he says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received the seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed in the stony place, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet he hath not root in himself, but dureth for a while. But when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by, he is offended. He also that received the seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. But he that received seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth fruit some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Amen. So in these few words, Jesus shares with us the meaning of this parable. And today we're starting to do some planning. We're throwing out some seeds, some words, some understanding. And we're going to see what it produces. And this parable gives us some important things to take into account. The first thing to notice is this parable is talking about a sower, a farmer, someone who's going out into a field and throwing seed on the ground. And that seed lands on different kinds of soil. And the different types of soil represents the hearts of people. You see that in verse 19. It's the hearts of people. And the quality of the soil, that represents the quality of their hearts. And what happens when the seed grows, what happens how it reacts to that soil, that heart, that shows how people respond to what they hear. 
And some people are like hard ground, like we see there in verse 19. They receive the seed by the wayside, which is the side of a road. It doesn't really land on soil at all. It lands on a place where it is impossible to grow. Paths and roads, they're all trampled down, and it's a place that's already been walked over a whole lot, a well-trod-out path. They've been walked on a lot, you might say it that way. And when the seed lands in that place that's been walked on a whole lot and trampled down and the ground is hard, it's very hard for a seed to take root in ground like that. And if seeds lay around very long without taking root, some bird or some creature is going to come along, it's going to grab that seed, and it's going to carry it away. And this lets us know that you can throw seeds of the word of truth on the ground, and sometimes nothing will happen. Nothing will penetrate the surface. The ground is too hard. The heart is too hard. Nothing can take root. No matter how right you are, no matter how truthful you are, no matter how powerful that word is that you share, no matter what, nothing can penetrate that hard ground. That ground's already been trampled over far too much. And oftentimes people will get into that condition by some deep bitterness, some deep cynicism, some factors that have come along in their life through situations, through events that have transpired, and cause them to be so hard-hearted towards true words that they've shut themselves off from anything that you might have to say. And that's a very sad condition when the word of truth can no longer penetrate a person's heart. But you know, I'm afraid I know a whole lot of people who fit into that category. And when they hear the word of truth and it fails to penetrate their heart, some creature will come along and devour and carry off that seed and will sweep it clean away from them. And in this parable, Jesus is making sure we understand that there are people like that. And when we go throwing the seeds on the ground, some of it is going to land on hard soil by the wayside, and it is going to have no effect whatsoever. And Jesus shares something else in this first example. He says the devil is the one behind those creatures that come and take the seeds away. The spirits of evil are actively opposing the sower. They're opposing the sowers who are casting forth the good seed. And they're doing everything they can to grab up those seeds and keep them from taking root. They're there to intercept them as soon as they hit the ground. Amen. And it's the devil that is behind that. Doing everything they can to keep people from seeing and hearing and understanding the word of truth. Let me read verse 19 again. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. It's just confusion. It's confusion. You need to stay away from that. It's confusion. They didn't understand. And that one who draws them away from that truth, it's confusion. It's confusion. That was the devil. That was the devil. This is he that received the seed by the wayside, by the edge of the road. Nothing but hard ground that's already been trampled all over. And then there's other types of soil. 
Jesus also told about a shallow soil there in verse 5 and verse 20. And let me read verse 5. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. So here we see seeds that land in shallow soil. And in that shallow soil, the seed did have an effect, didn't it? The seed starts to sprout. It starts to grow. But before long, circumstances arise. The sun beats down. Hard conditions start to take their toll on the heart of that person. And it turns out that plant doesn't have much root. So it can't handle the hard conditions. And it withers and it dies. And you and I know some things can result in some very hard conditions, can't they? Some things can be very hard for a tender little plant to survive. Amen. That's the truth. Some may be able only to stand that pressure, those conditions of that environment, for a little while before they they wither back. I remember a little while back, a brother, he came to me with a dream. He, He told me, I was following you down the road, and it kept getting colder and colder. And then we saw this terrible, scary-looking creature, and I was frightened and ready to run back where we came from. But I knew I had to keep going, he said. And when we got to that creature, I realized it wasn't so friendly. It just looked scary. And when we got to the other side, it was just the perfect weather, and it was a beautiful, heavenly place. In that dream, he was able to keep going through, and he could overcome his fears and push through that cold and all those fears and come out on the other side and realize what wonderful thing was on the other side. But you know, not everyone's able to do that. For some, the cold and those fears are so strong that they wither and they die. And that shallow soil, it could be compared in a way to shallow faith. At the start, the plant can look promising. That person can really seem to have been affected by the word. Jesus said there in verse 20, they received the word of truth with joy. They're overjoyed when they first understood that word that was spoken to them. But as time goes by and the persecutions and the suffering come, their plant withers and it dies. They just can't stand up against the pressure of their environment. So they give up. I can think of another person, a wonderful brother. I loved him. I love him still. I preached one time Isaiah 53, and you know, afterwards he comes to me and he tells me, I never heard anyone preach salvation that way before. I never understood salvation and grace of God until you preached it there. And you know, that poor man had sat in that church for nearly 30 years And no one in 30 years had explained to him the plan of salvation. But you know, time went by and persecution came and before the truth could bring forth much in his life in that way, he withered and he died. And back he went. Back he went. That's another type of case that can happen to the seed that is sowed. Let's read here how Jesus explained it again in verse 20. But he that receiveth the seed into the stony places... The same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. You know, that man was very happy to hear and understand that Jesus died for his sins so he could go free, that he didn't need to live out his life as some kind of a monk trying to earn his salvation. 
Verse 21, yet he had no root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. When the pressure arose, that man went right back under those cruel enforcers who teach him and the others that they're saved by their works and by their knowledge and not solely by Jesus Christ. Amen. So just keep that case in mind too. That's another kind of heart that the word can land on. And like that hard heart, the shallow heart is another sad case, maybe even sadder. But then there's also a third type of soil here that Jesus tells us about. And it's a contested soil or a contested heart. We see about that in verse 22. The sower, he throws out the seed, it lands in the soil, and it's a good soil for things to grow in, like briars and thistles and thorns. But it's not a good seed. It's not good soil for the good seed that was planted there. Because the other things in that soil are competing with the good plant. And as that good seed takes root and it grows, slowly the other things in the soil start to strangle out that plant. They start to inhibit and hinder its growth. The briars and the thorns, they steal the nutrients and the life from that good plant. They hinder it from growing into its true potential. And that good plant, it doesn't die, but it never bears any fruit. It never comes to a maturity. It stays in a permanently stunted condition. That's what the thorns and the briars do. Never any fruit grows on it. You know, and I can think of quite a few cases like that too. Souls who've heard the good word of God and the truth of God's saving grace, and it took root in their hearts. But today they're sitting in the midst of thorns and briars, thistles and weeds of all kinds, and it has stunted their growth. Let me read verse 70. And some fell among thorns, and thorns sprung up and choked them. And jumping down to verse 22, Jesus' explanation, He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. So maybe, maybe he was fruitful for a time. It's not exactly clear. But somewhere along the way, obstacles get in the way that hinder this plant from continuing to produce any fruit. And Jesus tells us this example represents people who are burdened down by things that hinder their growth. Materialism is one of those things, a lust for riches, which is really an unhealthy desire for the things of this world. That's a common thing that chokes out the growth of many people. But the first thorn bush that Jesus mentioned there are the cares of this world. The cares of this world. And there are a lot of cares that will hinder people from growing into their full potential in Christ. Popularity, caring about what other people think. Caring about friendships and relationships and the benefits that will be lost by walking down that road. The pressures and the cares of such things can become a hindrance. What will people think? What will people say? Isn't Jesus? Wasn't what he says good enough? Isn't what Jesus said enough? 
Why do we need to worry when other people are telling us things that are contrary to what Jesus said? Amen? I'm happy to take him at his word. I'm happy to have his approval rather than the approval of man. The pressures and cares for those kind of things and what others think can become a hindrance. And those obstacles and those hindrances, they'll take their toll like a bad weed. They'll suck the nutrients from the soil. They'll overtake our heart, our good soil, and more and more and more of those nutrients end up getting sucked up by those weeds and thorns. And gradually, the good plant has its growth stunted. And people can get all kinds of things in their life, all kinds of attachments, all kinds of cares and concerns and worries that will hinder them from being fruitful. They can get around all kinds of people who will heap all kinds of things on them that weigh them down. And there are many, many things that fall up under those two categories. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. But the end result of those thorns and briars is that the plant cannot produce any fruit. They are fruitless. That's what life is like when you're living in a briar patch. I know a lot of people who are living in a briar patch tonight. There's not hardly a lick of fruit on a whole bunch of the plants in that briar patch. And they are at risk of withering and dying. And here before I go any further, just let me talk about this fruit for another minute. Because again, you know, we've heard people come up with all kinds of things trying to tell us what this fruit is. And there's a whole lot of people today that are deceived thinking they have fruit, but they've been lied to about what the fruit is. And they've been heaping up the thing that God's not looking for and utterly neglecting what he is. Amen. And if you read this parable carefully and Jesus' explanation carefully, you'll find that every part of this parable he explains to us except one part. There's one thing in this parable he never explained to us. He never explained what the fruit actually is here in this parable. Nowhere in here does Jesus say the fruit is this or the fruit is that. He tells us how it's grown by hearing and understanding, but he does not actually say what the fruit is. The hearing and the understanding is not the fruit. That is clear from this parable. The hearing is the planting. The understanding is the growing, but the fruit is something else. And the fruit is the whole point of this parable. Not the hearing, not the understanding, but the fruit that comes as a result. You can hear all you want, you can understand all you want, but if there is no fruit at the end, we put ourselves in the category to be thrown into the fire and burnt when the end of the day comes. Amen. And so we can leave us wondering then, what is this fruit? What is this fruit that Jesus is talking about? And there's different ways we can understand what this fruit is. And one way is just to use our common sense. You know, fruit is a seed, right? If I plant a peach tree, it's going to grow fruit. And the fruit will be peaches. And in that peach will be a peach pit, right? And that's a peach seed. And that seed and that peach is the same thing that planted that tree to begin with, right? So in one sense, the fruit is the same thing as the seed which was planted in the beginning. It's it's the same thing. So you can say the fruit should match the seed you planted. 
And if we plant the gospel, the fruit should be the fruit of the gospel. And if I teach maybe the Sermon on the Mount, I plant what Jesus taught there, then it should produce something in that soil that looks like the Sermon on the Mount, right? If we preach the gospel, the seed is planted, it will be the gospel seed. Maybe I'll say it like this. If I preach Jesus Christ, and if we preach Jesus Christ, and we plant Jesus Christ as that seed, the fruit should look like Jesus Christ. When we preach the gospel, that's exactly what we're doing. If I plant the love of God, the fruit should also be the love of God. If I plant the peace of God, the fruit should be the peace of God. And all those things that we're planting, all those things are pointing people to Jesus. That's what we should be planting because He's the way to salvation. He's the truth you need to believe. And He's the life you need to pattern yourself after. And if I teach those things and plant those things, then that is the fruit that should grow. It should produce lives that are patterned after Jesus. You reap what you sow. You grow what you plant. And so that's one simple, common sense way just to understand some of the things about what this fruit is. But there's another way we can understand what the fruit is too. And it's even better than reasoning with our common sense, which is truthfully most all I ever heard anybody do when they explain what the fruit was. There is another parable where Jesus talks about the vine and the fruit that grows on it. And in John 14, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you abide in me, you will produce much fruit. Fruit. The fruit in that parable is the point of it as well. And in that parable, he does tell us exactly what the fruit is. And so when I think about what the fruit is, I most especially want to consider what Jesus said the fruit is. And when Jesus explained about the fruit there in John 15, I think I said 14 before, it's 15, he said, love one another as I have loved you. And he repeats that about five different ways in that chapter, and it is unmistakable the fruit he is talking about is love. It's love, the same love that he had for us, the same love he showed us. He wants that love to grow in our hearts and be produced in us too. And all of his disciples in the early church, all the ones that heard Jesus speak, they understood that the fruit was love. They wrote about it over and over and over again in their epistles. It's the fruit of the Spirit. They told us exactly what the fruit is. It's a life that is like Jesus. It's love, joy, peace, patience, meekness, goodness, faithfulness. All of these things is the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. And when we preach, a true servant of God is going to be pointing the people to Jesus and the life of Jesus, pointing to Him for salvation pointing to Him as our perfect pattern, pointing to Him as the life to be lived. And if that is what we are teaching, and that is what we are preaching, and that is what we are planning, that is what we will produce. And it will produce the fruit of the Spirit, a life like Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now remember, the fruit is also a seed. And as the fruit comes off the plant... 
You're going to be planting seeds yourself, you know it. As that plant grows and matures, it's going to be dropping seeds off of it too, you know it. Just like the sower was doing in the beginning, dropping seeds. And as we become fruitful, and we have a lot of that fruit in our life, and as we shed forth that fruit in our life, some of those seeds are going to take root too. Some of those seeds are going to be dropped on good ground. And so that fruit, on one hand, it grows life in us and helps us become Christ-like. But it also creates new seeds, and those new seeds bring new people to Christ. And all of these things are wrapped up in what this fruit is. And as I said before, I've heard people come up with all kinds of things about what this fruit is supposed to be. But I'm happy to just take Jesus at his word. I'm happy to trust Paul and Peter and John. I'm glad to accept their explanation of what the fruit is and throw away the explanations that do not match what the Bible has taught the fruit is. And of course, where we come from, many people have also, they've long forgotten these things, if they ever understood them to begin with. And to them, the fruit is how much revelation you have, which the Bible actually explicitly tells us is not the fruit in 1 Corinthians. It explicitly tells us that's not the fruit. In fact, we can have all of that in the world, and we can still be nothing because we might not have any fruit, 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. That is what is happening as people drift away from Jesus Christ and the Scripture. They start to come up with ideas that contradict the Bible. And the place we come from, they've got a preacher who has very badly corrupted the basics of the gospel. And when they plant corrupt things, the only thing they're going to get from that is corrupt fruit. And they've got a mountain of it today. Let's pray for them that God will bring them back to a true love for the gospel. My You know, I don't hate them. My heart breaks for them. I love them. Hallelujah. I try everything I could to help them. They didn't want help. They wanted terribleness. And so they have it today. And as we come back to this soil, the one with all the thorns and briars, the one where the life of the plants are being choked, you and I can probably think of all kinds of people who fit into that category. The word was planted It even took root in some. Something did grow, but there is no fruit there. Instead of the love of God, there's a pride and an envy and a jealousy and a hatefulness and a harshness and cruelties. Amen. And they'll probably expose that in themselves here in very short order if they hear this message. (laughs) They've been screaming hateful, vicious rants at us for months now. And we kept our mouth shut. We went along. We minded our own business and let them do what they wanted. But I think enough time has went by for people to see them for the hateful devils that they are. And now we are moving on, and we're not going to be afraid to call a spade a spade. And as I talk about all these different bad soils, in one sense, we can see there seems to be a whole lot more bad soil than good soil as we read this, don't it? Maybe that even means the majority of the seed that we plant won't produce anything. Could be. I don't know. It's certainly something to think about. But there's more than enough here to let me know that all the seed I cast out, not all of it's going to produce something. In fact, it may well be the majority of it don't produce anything at all. But then there is the good soil. The good soil. Let me read that there in verse 23. 
But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold and some sixty and some thirty. My good soil. The good soil is what we're looking for. The good soil, Jesus has told us, that is when someone hears and understands. Amen. That's hearing and understanding that leads to the fruit. The words that are spoken, the words that are understood, those words take root. They lead to growth. And a growth that leads to someone coming to their full potential in Christ. The fruit is grown. And it all starts with hearing and understanding. And you and I, the way we talk, the way we speak, the way we present the truth, that's how the seeds are cast out. And as people come to understand, the seeds take root. And as that plant grows, their understanding grows. And it produces fruit in the life of the hearer. There are many things we can do to try and make and share the word as much as possible, to try and make it as understandable as possible. But you know, ultimately, whether it grows or not, whether it produces fruit or not, is going to entirely depend on the soil where that word lands. It is hearts, it's lives, where the Spirit of the Lord is free to lead and guide. Is it that kind of life? Is it landing on lives that are free to follow the Lord, where the Lord rules and reigns? Is it hearts that are interested in hearing and understanding? Or is it hearts that are going to be choked off by briars and weeds and hindrances? You know, I don't know. But I do know this. When the seed lands on the ground, it is going to reveal what kind of soil is beneath it. What happens with that seed is going to prove whether it has landed on good ground or bad ground. When we are confronted with the truth of God's word, when we're confronted with the reality of facts and circumstances, when we hear the gospel preached to us and that word lands on our hearts, it is going to reveal what kind of a heart that we have. Is the heart so hard that the truth of the gospel can't even penetrate it? Or will the hearer begin to listen and understand and let the word of truth take root? And taking time to understand what you hear, that is what let the root grow. Will you take time to understand? Or will you let the devil come and drag that seed away like the first type of soil? Will you understand or will you Allow yourself to be confused and lose your opportunity. Oftentimes, some understanding takes a little effort on our part, especially when things are a little deep or a little complex. We have to take some time to seek to understand. But the good soil, that's the ones who understand. That's the hearts that understand. But it doesn't just stop with understanding. The good soil where they understand it also brings forth fruit. What they hear produces something. It produces fruit in their life. And it just doesn't take root and grow, but the word actually comes to fruition in their life. 
When the Word of God strikes our lives, it will reveal what type of person or soil we are. And there are people who talk about loving truth, but then you watch what happens when the truth comes their way, a truth they don't like. Certain truths they actually hate. They're not really a lover of the truth. They're a lover of certain truths and a hater of other truths. And the hardness of their heart is revealed in that. Some people hear the truth and they'll rejoice, but then they wither when the pressure comes and you never see them again. It's revealed that they were choked out by weeds of cares and concerns and desires. When we cast out the seed, you know, you and I don't know what ground it's going to land on. It takes time to watch the results. But ultimately, ultimately those results will reveal to us the quality of the soil. Amen. And in the parable that Jesus gave, there's something here that's a little obvious. The soil quality is not the concern of the sower. His concern is just to sow. Just to sow. He's throwing seed everywhere he can. He's trying to reach as many as possible. And that's the truth with us. We're sending out seed in every direction. We're not concerned with the quality of the soil that we're sowing on. We're just making sure we sow. And then we'll wait and see what the results are. And as I sow, I want to look at Scripture. I want to make sure I'm sowing the right thing and I'm sowing in a way that the Bible would show me is a wise way to sow, the way Jesus would have me sow. And one thing I do here see is that Jesus communicates to us we should certainly be sowing. And not, not just throwing out any kind of seed, but there's actually a specific seed here he's talking about sowing, isn't he? And maybe it's not perfectly clear here in Matthew, but if you went over to Mark, Mark 4 and 14, there it's recorded very plainly what this seed is that's being sown. Mark 4 and 14, the sower soweth the word. The word. And you know, that's not just any word. That's the same word that is mentioned in John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word. It's that word. It's that word that we're sowing. The scripture tells us that word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That word was the light of men. That word was Jesus Christ. The chief cornerstone. The foundation upon which everything we teach is built on. The one in whom we have all faith. And when we sow the word, it is all going to come back and point to Him. Because if it don't, we're not actually sowing the Word. We're sowing something else. Amen. And there are many people, they love prophecy. And they're looking for all kinds of prophets. But the Bible says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Amen. And God's servants, the ones who are sowing the Word, the ones who are sowing the good seed, they're the people who are going to be preaching a message that brings the people to Jesus, that keeps Jesus front and center, that draws people into a closer relationship with Him. And when we sow Jesus Christ, and when we sow the things of Christ, then we'll reap fruit in the lives of people that matches up to the same Jesus that we have sown, the same Word that we have sown. Amen. And so we make sure that we're sowing the word, not ideas or opinions. And it's okay to have ideas. It's okay to have opinions. 
We certainly don't know everything, and sometimes we just have to go the best we know. But ultimately, our goal and our desire and our ambition is to sow the Bible, to sow the Word, to sow the Scripture, to sow Jesus Christ, the truth and the testimony that He left us here in this book. And as we go forward, I know that's what we all are seeking to do. It's what my brother Jesse is seeking to do. It's what my brothers around the world that I've been blessed to have fellowship with are seeking to do. Amen. And if we encounter some hard ground, if we encounter Satan opposing us, we'll seek to do what Hosea said in chapter 10. Break up the hard ground so a crop can be planted. Amen. And there's a right way to go about softening a hard heart. And if the soil that we encounter is so hard, we'll seek by the grace of God to till that ground. And if people hear and understand not, then we'll seek to make it more plain. And if we see things that are choking out the lives of the plants in the fields, then we'll seek to kill those weeds and trim those briars. And we'll do our best as the Lord has equipped us and put the rest in His hands. Amen. And we're going to have confidence in God and God's words that when we share the truth of the gospel, it will have its attended effect. And God's will will be done. And if nothing grows at the end of the day, we will shake the dust off of our feet, just like Jesus said to do, and we will move on. If nothing grows, we'll move on in search of more fertile ground to grow something somewhere else. Amen. And in the Bible of all the people we read about, I think Paul started more churches, he planted more seeds than just about anyone else in the Scripture. He seemed to be about the most successful one of his entire age there in that early church. And he leads us a a tremendous example to follow. And he recorded in the scripture all kinds of wisdom about sowing the word of God. Hallelujah. And we can see that once he got going, Paul had a method, didn't he? He had a method. Whenever he started his new churches, he tended to open them up literally next door to the synagogue he had just been thrown out of. (laughs) And praise the Lord, there is wisdom in that. And he never stayed too long in the same town. If nothing was growing, he moved along to the next. And if things grew, he stayed and helped get the congregation healthy. And then he moved on too. And you know, the results varied. He went to a lot of places, a lot of towns, a lot of cities. In some towns, he just got a small number. In other towns, he converted the whole town, it seems like. Praise the Lord. He was out to win souls for Christ. He was out to sow the word of God, the good news of the gospel. And the places that we come from, they've abandoned doing that a long time ago. Over 50 years ago, they quit sowing the gospel. They've been saying Jesus is coming next year for 50 years in a row. And you know, Jesus might be coming next year. But they were lying, they said, at the last 50. Obviously, they had no idea what they were talking about. Amen? And there's no time to share the gospel anymore, they would say. That was their conclusion. we got to get ready for the rapture. So they don't even bother to share the gospel with anybody. They didn't even bother to preach it to us growing up. And in the meantime, two whole generations came. And they've been utterly neglected in the instruction of the gospel. Amen? They stopped sharing the gospel with the lost. They stopped serving meat in due season. They stopped being faithful stewards. They sat down and they buried themselves and they've slowly been withering 
and dying away. They say we're in the hour of harvest and it would be foolish to sow fields. I heard them preach that in the platform. And the fruit of their preaching is manifest. They sowed division and they reaped division. They sowed the things of man and they have reaped the things of man. They have sowed doomsday and now the doom is upon them. Amen. They may very well end up reaping it all in themselves. Amen. They preach doom and God has sent them one to bring them doom. Mark my word, it's coming for them. Amen. Run for your lives. Run for your lives. Amen. And then they use their view of predestination to justify themselves. Well, if they were chosen, they would come to God. If they were chosen, they would come and stay. They're not of us or they wouldn't have left. My, <laughs> what, utter, what utter foolishness. What utter, what utter destruction and corruption of the word of God that they undertook. They found so many reasons to justify their utter disobedience to Jesus Christ and his word. They've disobeyed the great commission. They disobeyed the command to make disciples of all men. They failed to plant the good seed that they were instructed to plant. Amen. And the hour is coming when the axe will be laid to the root of the tree. Is that not scripture? The hour is coming when men will answer for their corruption and for their wickedness and for their disobedience. They're going to have to stand before their maker and explain themselves one of these days. Every tongue will confess. And everyone that knows that they've lied and deceived and connived and plotted and destroyed the innocent, they know what they've done. And they will answer for it. Not to me, but to God. To God. Amen. But as for me, I want to look to Scripture. I want to see how the Bible would inspire me to be. And turn with me over to 1 Corinthians 1 and 9. And there's one short passage there I read, and I'll close looking at that. Paul planted a lot of seed successfully. He dedicated his life to it. And it's a good thing when we dedicate our life to sowing the good seed. Amen. And God bless each of my brothers who's dedicated their life to that cause. Because it's not an easy task. It's a high calling. James said, be not many preachers because the preachers have the greater responsibility. And we read here in 1 Corinthians, Paul says some things here that really challenge a preacher. Things that challenge me, I'm sure things that challenge any servant of God that would read these things. Paul sets a very, very high bar. And let me read it here because it's a, these are scriptures I seek to follow after. 1 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 19. I'll just read a little bit of it. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jew. To them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law as without the law, being not without the law to God, but under the law of Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak became I as weak, that I may gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker thereof with you. My, 
You know where we come from? Absolutely no one believes those verses. Absolutely no one practices those verses. Certainly in ministry. The only person in my whole life I ever even heard preach those verses was myself. (laughs) The truth is we neglected most of the Bible where we came from. And the parts that didn't fit with the character they wanted us to live by, they just left out. But Paul here, he's talking about sowing seed. He's talking about winning souls to Christ. He's talking about converting people to the right path and the right walk, to salvation in Jesus Christ. And he starts out there in verse 19 by saying he has a great freedom given to him by Jesus Christ. We have liberty in Christ, a freedom all of us has. But Paul tells us there that he willingly sacrifices that freedom to win people to Christ. And that's something he does, as we see in the last verse I read, because he has a love in his heart. No greater love hath a man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And there are more than one way to lay down our life. You know that? Sometimes we lay down our life by sacrificing parts of it for a greater good, a greater cause. Sometimes we sacrifice things that are our right and our freedom in order to advance the gospel. Sometimes we put ourselves at the tip of the spear to take the persecution and to take the attacks of the enemy. Amen. We sacrifice ourselves because we love others and we want them to hear and to see and to know the truth. Amen. But going back, sometimes we take things that are our right and our freedom and we sacrifice it because we love others. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about. He's talking about a sacrificial love. And if you think about it, that is the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? Paul is a fruitful plant. And the fruit in his life, this sacrificial love, is pushing him and leading him to win ever more souls. Christ. And he talks about the way he sacrifices and practices this sacrificial love here in these verses. Let me read verse 20 again. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. And that word gain, that's, that's the same word Jesus uses for conversion, for converting. Amen. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews, to them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. When Paul was trying to convert the law keepers, he behaved as if he was under the law himself. So he could open that door. So he could have that conversation. Because he knew there were certain things that if he let it get in the way, it would keep him from ever being able to have a conversation with Jesus, about Jesus Christ with those law keepers. It would hinder him from ever having a chance to win those people to Christ. Their law keeping was maybe not the right place to start having a conversation with them. The right place to start the conversation with the law keepers was Jesus Christ and grace. And if he could get them to see Jesus, the rest would follow. Amen? And in verse 21 he said, To them that are without the law, As without the law, being not without the law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. 
Amen? He was the same way to this raw sinner in the world. He showed just as much flexibility to this raw sinner in the world as he showed to these Pharisee law keepers. Amen? When he came to them, he didn't start maybe by nitpicking their life decisions. He didn't start by talking about their immorality or their dress habits. He started with Jesus. His goal was to bring people to salvation, to lead people to Christ. And when the goal is leading people to Christ, we do everything we can to remove every obstacle from the path that would hinder that goal. And sometimes that includes removing ourselves, parts of ourselves. You know, Paul didn't think anything was wrong with eating pork, did he? He ate all kinds of pork in the Bible. But when he was around the Jews, he wasn't eating no pork. That's what I read these verses telling me. Amen? He wasn't going to let that hinder his opportunity to speak to those people. And when he went to the world, he knew all this immorality was a sin. But he wasn't going to let that stop him from preaching to those immoral people and leading them to Christ. You know, there were even former sodomites sitting in the Corinthian church. That's what 1 Corinthians even tells us. Former sodomites in that church that Paul had led to Christ. He wasn't going to let those things get in his way of sharing the gospel. Amen. But like I said, where we come from, no one believes any of that. No one believes we should ever be as welcoming as possible to those who are on maybe the other side of the fence. No. Be as hard as you can, as fast as you can. Amen. And if they won't, they won't heal, beat them until they do or throw them out. My, many times we saw those things play out. But I can't be that way. Because I'm actually a Christian. (laughs) I actually have the love of God in my heart. And the love of God in my heart won't let me act that way. The love of God in my heart wants to do everything within my power to show people Jesus. I want to know at the end of the day that I've done my best. I've been the best sower that I can be. And until I've done that, until I've given my best, I probably can't really blame the soil, you know it. I've got to give my best to break up that hard ground. I've got to do my best to combat those weeds and briars. I've got to put up some scarecrows to keep those birds away. Hallelujah. I want to do my best. And then after I've done my best, I can look at those results and know of a certainty in my heart that whatever happens, whatever the results are, it's the soil's problem. <laughs> Amen. That's the road I'm going down. Amen. And you know, there's many problems. There's many issues. There's all kinds of things that need to be tackled. But one thing is most important of all. One thing is overriding. And if we can get that one thing, the rest will follow. And as I read Paul's words, I can realize that he is prioritizing that most important issue as he deals with the people that he goes to. Amen. And when he's in that planning phase, he focuses on his top priority. Amen. And where we come from, people might call that hypocrisy. But that's not what it is at all. We don't let people walk all over us. We don't subject ourselves to everything. But we do use every means possible that the Scripture will allow us to, to achieve our objectives. Amen. Verse 22, to the weak became I as weak. Was Paul faking weakness? that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that by all means I may save some. I can say that myself. 
I want to by all means save some. And I am employing all means at my disposal to save some. Amen. I might have gone away quietly, but the devil didn't seem content to let me do that. Amen. So I'm going to come back. Hallelujah. <laughs> Maybe I'll pull out that blowtorch. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. And see how much wood, hay, and stubble they got built around that place. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. And some of those means may require me to sacrifice some things. Praise the Lord. But you know, Paul willingly sacrificed things he had a perfect right to for the purpose of winning souls to Christ. Amen. And if I can light some wood, hay, and stubble on fire, then in the name of Jesus Christ, hallelujah, give me a lighter. Amen. I'm going to burn it down. Hallelujah. That's what I want to do. Amen. So that the jewels that are left can be seen. Praise the Lord. And there's jewels there. Paul was willing for a season to change his habits, his routines, to adjust his lifestyle to help win the souls of Christ to Christ. He didn't change the gospel. He didn't change the truth. But within the framework of the gospel, he was willing to make every personal sacrifice necessary to achieve his end. Amen. And Paul wasn't doing that to make people like him or think highly of him, but he was doing it to win them to Christ. And I do it to win souls to Christ. When we went around the Jewish people, when Paul went around the Jewish people, he behaved as Jewishly as possible to win them to Christ. He wouldn't admit their doctrines were right. He wouldn't compromise on the law, but he wouldn't be needlessly offensive either. Whatever he can do to accommodate and win them to Christ, he was willing to do. Paul was willing to meet people where they were, and oftentimes we start preaching the Bible to people who have got to start where they are. Maybe they're not ready to accept the totality yet. So maybe sometimes it's just a little bit at a time. And these verses here, they also let me know that people are different. And different types of people take different types of approaches. And tailoring our message to the specific crowd that we're sowing the seed to. That's an important thing to do also. Amen. How we come to a subject, how we approach things matters. And to be effective, different groups will require different approaches. Amen. You know, another thing I see in Paul's word is that the gospel's for everyone. It's for everyone. And everyone deserves our best effort. The gospel is for the Pharisee. The gospel is for the Jew. The gospel is for those under the law. And it's for the world. And it's for the lawless. And it's for the ones outside of all of the things that we would think of. All the different categories of people, it's for them. Amen. And each of them is worthy of us making our best effort to sow the seed in the best way that we can and follow Paul's example to win them to Christ. Praise the Lord. We could even look to Jesus Christ for his perfect example. We can see how he approached the down and out. You take the woman at the well, right? She had five different lovers. And Jesus took a certain approach with her, didn't he, when he came to her? And then we also see Jesus took another approach when he came to the Pharisees and the law keepers. Nicodemus is a great example of them. And the way he approached them was entirely different because they were two very different people living two very different kinds 
of lives. But Jesus loved them both. Jesus loved Nicodemus just as much as he loved the woman at the well. And he met both of them where they were at. And with both of them, he was seeking to reveal himself to them as their Messiah, their Savior. Both of them, he took a different approach, but the end of it was for them to look at him and realize, you are the Messiah. You are my Savior. Amen. Different paths, but he led them to the same point. On both sides, you know, there's people you'll never convince. There's stony ground. There's gardens full of thorns and briars. There's shallow soil. There's people who can't see beyond their prideful faith and their own abilities. <laughs> there are people who are so in love with their sins, they'll never let go of them. There's bad ground that nothing we plant will ever grow on. Amen. But as sowers, our job is to cast forth the word. There is a methodology. There is a right attitude to have. And there's a right and a wise way to approach things. And I hope you can see that's what I'm seeking to do in my approach. I'm seeking to do the very best that I know how. God can save anyone. He can save a woman at a well who had five different lovers. He can save the homosexuals that were sitting in the Corinthian church. And he could save the cold, harsh-hearted, proud-hearted Pharisee, Saul of Tarsus even. My, he can change them. He can put a love in their heart. Amen. You know, when I think of the Apostle Paul, I think that is maybe perhaps why he especially loved the Pharisees. Because once upon a time, Paul had been a Pharisee himself. And he uniquely understood their situation. Amen. And he wanted so much for them to see what he had found himself. Freedom and love and salvation in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me read this one more time before I close in prayer. 1 Corinthians 9, 19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews to them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law, to them that are without the law, as without the law, being not without the law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake that I might be partaker thereof with you. Bringing people to Christ takes crossing barriers and boundaries. And sometimes those boundaries, those barriers, they're man-made. Maybe ones we've even erected ourselves. Some people have pet issues, pet problems. We can be tempted to try and tackle that really glaring thing as soon as we run into them. But when we let the love of God guide our path and let his wisdom show us the best way forward, we can often realize and see that their pet problem, that one that is so glaring to us, is just a symptom of a much bigger problem 
And what they really need is Jesus. And if we'll focus on planting Jesus and the things of Christ, in time, those difficult things can be tackled and dealt with. Amen. So I hope, if nothing else, I've shared with you how I'm looking at these things and the scriptures, the way they've inspired me. And I hope and pray that maybe it's shed a little light and helped some of you here tonight. So let me close here in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for being so good to us. Lord, I pray you for taking these few words that are spoken tonight, and Lord, let them be a strength to us. Lord, we're sowing the good seed. We know we are. We're seeking to be all things to all men so that by all means some might be saved. And Lord, when our work is accomplished, what will be revealed is the quality of the soil that we've planted in. Lord, we'll be able to have clean hearts knowing that we've sought to do your will. Lord, as the days and the weeks pass now, I pray, Lord, that you let your light of truth shine out, Lord, through all these means that you've opened up and enabled us to have access to. Lord, you've inspired this work, and Lord, we ask you to bless it. Our desire is not to find bad ground, but good ground. Our desire is not to fight against the people that we love, Lord, but to cast out the evil that's laid hold on them. Lord, our desire is to see fruit bore for your glory. So, Lord, help us to be fruitful in our lives and bless our efforts to, show, to sow the truth of your word to the lives of others around us. Let it be now in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, you are all dismissed tonight. God bless you all.